Good morning, everyone. Our first reading, we hear the testimony of the apostles, and uh, we hear that uh, they have, uh, they are very courageous, uh, and uh, they are going to witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is what's getting them in trouble. And um, as we heard from that reading, they're, if you will, glad to suffer it. And they consider it to be an honor. Uh, St. John, uh, in the, from the book of Revelation, what, we're, what we heard this morning was a hymn or a canticle of praise uh, of the crucified and risen Christ. And um, as our first reading tells us, the opposition to the apostles that they encountered from the religious authorities of their time uh, was uh, pretty heavy. Persecutions, uh, they didn't come as a surprise because Jesus had predicted it for them. And it, uh, if you will, it became an opportunity for the apostles to bear witness to Christ. They refused to be silenced, as we heard. And uh, one of the central points of their witness, my friends, and this becomes crucial, is the resurrection of Jesus. Far from being demoralized uh, by uh, the way society was treating them, uh, they became glad to suffer for Jesus' name. The resurrections of Jesus, the stories of Jesus indicate that uh, he was not recognized at once. They had a trouble. Mary Magdalene, remember? She didn't know uh, who that was standing next to her at the tomb. And the apostles seemed confused also. Uh, and it takes words and gestures of Jesus. Uh, he, if you will, triggers their memory. And uh, it makes a point that the resurrection is not a return to earthly life. Um, the same, it's different. Jesus has risen to a new life uh, that is beyond human death. And he is the same Jesus, and yet we can tell from these scriptures he has been transformed. And uh, he is not as he was, but yet he still is who he was. <laughs> That's what happens when you have a lot of coffee. Uh, you get to think about these things. And so my friends, uh, as, you, as we get into the very gospel, uh, most of you, I don't share much of my vocation story, but most of you have heard, uh, you might recall that I was in the seminary just a few years after high school, and, but then I left. And uh, later in life, as I call it, <laughs> I returned to the seminary, and, uh, and now here I stand before you as priest and pastor. My friends, I was given a second chance at priesthood, and that would not be the only second chance I would receive from him. There would be others, but it is not for today to talk about. But it is not very often we get second chances at things, particularly uh, when we make mistakes. Uh, but um, I can testify he has done that for me. In today's gospel account, the Lord gave the apostles exactly that, the gift gift of a second chance. We are told that some of the apostles returned to their previous way of life. And they went back to fishing. That's what they were. If you didn't catch the story that from the gospel today, it is a trigger of memory. When Jesus first called them, remember, he was walking on the seashore and called them in the same words and gestures. Have you caught anything? No. Throw the net. Mm. And they did, and they caught. So he's triggering their memory. 
In this, we understand that the resurrection of Jesus, remember, he's not a ghost, he's not a spirit, he's in body. This resurrection of Jesus has not taken hold of their lives because they went back to their previous ways and they were acting as if nothing really happened. And I think you and I can understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to get this out of their heads. That was violence to their friend. So we can understand but my friends, what they needed was what Protestants call a revival. They needed a revival as witnesses to the life and death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. That is what Jesus gives them. My friends, today is the third Sunday in the season of Easter. And Easter Sunday was a time of renewal, if you will, in Christ. Our church was filled. We had standing room only. There was 175 people outside on the chairs. It looked to me as if their faith had been renewed, but more than that, it looked like their faith had been strengthened. And my friends, but now we are two weeks after Easter, and it looks like many of them ran out of steam already. <laughs> so I'm praying. Uh, I'm praying. Um, I hope I see them before Christmas. Uh, so my friends, I look at this gospel, and there are three events, or maybe three moments in this gospel that are crucial for us to understand. There's the meal, which I enjoy uh, in a humorous way. You know, Jesus is on the beach having a barbecue. Charcoal grill, breakfast, barbecue. And then there is the mission. Jesus gives a mission. And then there is the martyrdom. Jesus speaks almost privately with Peter about something. So we look at the meal. Now, my friends, we don't know exactly what was being discussed at that meal. On this, we're given a little glimpse, but this was a moment between Jesus and Peter. But in general, what did he talk to them about at that breakfast? But my friends, in the same way he reminded them by words and gesture uh, from the beginning, he does this again through this meal. They had shared many meals with Jesus in his earthly life, there was the meal where he multiplied the loaves and bread, which we heard this week at the daily mass on the mountainside. Then the, he, remember, he went to the house of Matthew, who was a tax collector, and Jesus said, bring your tax collector friends to your house. I'm coming for a meal, which he got in trouble with the religious authorities for that. There was the Passover meals that Jesus honored in the tradition of the Jewish people. And finally, there was the Last Supper, a meal like no other. Now, after the resurrection, they are at meal again. And here was the second chance for all of them to renew their union with their Messiah. So, my friends, here we are, third Sunday in Eastern Gig Harbor, in this church. At Mass, we renew our union with Christ. It reminds us also of other Masses that all of you have probably experienced. First, Holy Communion, which our parish will be celebrating in the next uh, two weeks from now uh, with the little ones prepared. They're prepared and ready. And then uh, also in that same time, uh, uh, Abbot Marion will come from the Abbey and he will be the presider for the confirmation, the Mass of Confirmation, uh, in a couple weeks. So you would have probably experienced that most of you. you might, it's probably been a while for some of us. And then there's masses of matrimony where couples get married. And then, of course, uh, the ones that always seem to stick in it. 
funeral masses. All those are meals also because of the Eucharist. In those and even now, the Lord Jesus speaks to us and teaches us again and again through words and gestures to trigger your memory. We are around his altar and he gives us his own self again and again and again in the Eucharist. In these current times, each of us, we need Mass every Sunday. Not just once in a while. Every Sunday. We need the Eucharist for that renewal of identity as his disciples, as his followers. Because in this world and in this times, there is so much in this life that pulls us away from him. So my friends, then let me speak about mission. Jesus takes Peter aside and asks three questions to him. And just kind of an anecdotal, there's, uh, in the Greek, uh, there's a progression of the words. The first one is more like, do you like me? The question was, do you like me more than these? In, the, in English, do you love me more than these? But the nuance of the word Jesus used, as John, was like a like. Do you like me more than these? And then it increased with each of the questions. And um, he does this three times, and you know this, as a reversal of Peter's threefold denial. In this conversation, a wonderful forgiveness happens for Peter. He's been given a gift of a second chance. Notice each time Jesus asks, do you love me? Peter answers, yes. And the Lord responds with him to do something. Not just to think, not just to stand, do. Feed my sheep, tend my flock, take care of my people. And Peter would show that love, not by mere words of love, but by deeds of love. And he would tend Christ's flock, his church. And Peter would do this for the rest of his days. So my friends, we are the disciples today. And each of you are called to care for a portion of the flock of Jesus Christ. But in your own way, each. For some it would be a parish, I'm a pastor. For some, it is your family. You're called to tend to your family. Others to tend to your spouse, to your wife, to your husband, to your children. Maybe it's for an aging parent. Maybe it is for a co-worker or co-workers where you testify to Christ, but tend to them also. Whoever the Lord is putting in your path, he's asking you to care for. Like Peter, we show our love for the Lord not only by our words, but by the way we go about caring for others. We care for their minds, their bodies, their needs, their souls. That's the mission Jesus gave to Peter on the seashore. And that's what the Lord gives each of you at each Mass in your own way. In a sense, then, a Mass is a second chance for us to renew our dedication to the good not only of his church, but in doing so, to the good of society. Finally, there is martyrdom. Jesus speaks to Peter about his death. And although martyrdom, in its strictest sense, is someone who is heroic in witness, 
And that would be one of the definitions of saint for us. Not St. Paul says anyone who goes to heaven is saint, but in the church, saint is part of that is heroic in the faith. But my friends, looking at Peter, then looking at yourselves, there are many ways of giving strong witness. And in our times and in this culture, we are called to speak about the sacredness of life. You are to testify about that. You are to testify and to strengthen what has been called the nuclear family. Because it is the nuclear family that is the nucleus of society. That truth cannot be denied, not by anybody, not by atheists, not by anyone. Everyone can come and understand. Society is put together by family. Each of you are to stand for the human dignity. Humans have great dignity that is bestowed upon them that cannot be taken from them. All humans. And then, my friends, in these times especially, you and I are called to testify and to speak about and protect the sacredness of the expression of physical love within the bonds of matrimony. You know what I'm talking about. I'm like, I was trying to find all the different ways to say this without turning red. <laughs> so I thought, here we go. Expression of physical love in the bonds of matrimony. You know what I'm talking about. Because that has... What society has done with that is horrendous. We are to stand and testify about being civil and civility and to respect other people, especially in this society which is so polarized. Each of you are called to give witness. And my friends, and it may not be at the risk of your life, but I can guarantee you for some of these things, you will risk your popularity with friends and family. You will have to give up some of your leisure time, some of your social media time. You may even lose friends. Although one cannot predict what awaits us in the future here at Mass, we are given a second chance to receive the grace for that witness, to witness to him and his truths here at this Mass this is the seashore now. We have a meal. We have a mission. Each Mass, we have the Eucharist, the sacrament and the sacrifice of Christ, where you have the second chance to renew yourselves as followers of Jesus Christ, to renew your commitment to the good of his church, to receive grace for your own personal witness to Christ. And my friends, here is another inescapable truth about Peter and the apostles. They are not remembered because of their abandonment. They are remembered by the fact that they were given second chances and they took that opportunity so wonderfully and built the church, which is still here, gave glory to God and his kingdom and made it better for you and I. I pray that the final truth for each of you will not be found in any departures from the Lord in his ways, but in how we have each used our gifts of that second chance. And my friends, looking at what is it, uh, I've been telling people, remember in the Acts of the Apostles, we read about it, but 
Do you remember? All they had at that time was the Old Testament, what we know as the Old Testament, the Torah. There was no New Testament book. There was no Bible as we understand it. They were living it. So they had to testify to God's, to their experience. And I say this with all humility, the religious authorities of their time got it wrong. They told the people that God hated them because they were sinners and they would always be sinners. Now the religious authorities, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were different. And God didn't hate them. When you see, so on that last supper, they asked Jesus, show us the Father. And what they mean by show us, tell us, tell us. So most people like Jesus' friends of his time, they wanted, they wanted to know what God the Father was like. But worse they wanted to know if God liked them because they had been told that God hated them. And Jesus delivers a resounding answer to them. Like us, Jesus said, like you? My Father loves you. He loves you and I in spite of ourselves. He loves us not because we are good and that we do good, but because he is good and he loves. In the midst of their troubled hearts, Jesus tried to ease that. In the midst of our times when people question, I hope I have eased some of your hearts about God and how he loves you. They wanted to know and to see God. And Jesus said, anyone who sees me has seen my Father. The Father wants you to know and to see and to experience. That is why he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus said, you believe in my Father. Believe in me. He said, I am in my Father and my Father is in me. And Jesus went further to try and convert their minds and hearts about this. He said, if you do not believe my words, at least believe on the evidence of the works. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, that's right, he cured people. No. Part of that, yes. What is the evidence of the works? His resurrection. His resurrection in the body was evidence. The disciples that's when they are moved. Remember, they are up in a room terrified after the crucifixion. What changed when they saw him alive and could touch him and watch them eat breakfast? That he was not a ghost. That he was not some spirit. He was more. The disciples were moved from fear and troubled hearts to people of courage and right now, even more importantly, people of hope. And they walked in holiness after they saw him alive and resurrected. This is the evidence of the work. They fixed their gaze on Jesus, and they never took it off of him again. And it forever changed their lives, and it forever changed this world. And that is another inescapable truth. 
the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed society and the world, and it still does. And nobody can refute that. They can say they don't like it, but they can't re refute what happened. The people of Jesus' time wanted to know what God was like and if he liked them. If we take our eyes off of Jesus, you will miss the Father. For Jesus is the best and closest way to know the Father and what God is like. Fix your eyes upon him. Jesus came and stood in our midst. You may have lots of questions about many things. The one thing you should never, ever question now or ever wonder about is where you stand with God or if he loves you. He does. Jesus told his disciples, have faith. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Have faith. Do not be unbelieving, but believe. Friends, we have uh, our social hours back, right? Yes. Okay, social hours, right? For those who are, have forgotten about that, it's when you leave, you go out to your left, and then you make another left to go right up into the hall, and uh, there'll be some refreshments there and time to hang out with each other. Amen?